Pharisee. And uh, while he was there, some interesting things happened. Let's look at verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, I'm going to comment on this as we read it. This is really kind of an interesting situation because the Pharisees were a very exclusive group. The Pharisees didn't just invite anybody over for a meal. They had to have some interest in that person. And when they invited you for a meal, it showed that they were desirous of at least the possibility of a friendship. The Pharisees were not that homogenic group that, you know, they just were all believed the same and all acted the same. They were not. They were a little bit of a mixture. And here one of them steps out on a limb and invites Jesus to come over for a meal. And, and, and Jesus accepted. You know, he didn't separate himself from those Pharisees. He went to them into their home and, um, and ministered to him. Now, let's see what happened. And a woman of the city, in the city, was a, which was a sinner, that would be every woman and every man, but uh, this lady was specifically a very, very bad sinner, like me or like you, you know. How do you, you know, we're all wretched sinners. But there was a woman that was from the city, known as a sinner, and when she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, he was sitting down to eat a meal, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head and, he kissed, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Wow. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had invited him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. So here we have the scenario. A woman of the city known as a sinner, probably a prostitute, came to the house where Jesus was eating and she stood behind him. He was probably eating in more of a, a laying down fashion. They had, uh, they had low tables and couches that they reclined on while they would eat. And they would usually support themselves with one arm and eat with, if they were right-handed, then they would eat with the right hand. And so as Jesus was, was kind of not sitting at the dinner table, as he was reclining over the table... This woman came in behind him, stood, and then probably had to kneel down to do the service that she did. She was weeping. And she was weeping sufficiently that there was enough water that she could wash his feet. So she washed his feet with her tears. She dried them with her hair. How many of you girls would like to do that? Probably not. That's a good thing that that's not a cultural deal here in the States, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then after that, she broke the alabaster box, which was a way that they would preserve very precious ointment or perfumes. And so she broke the alabaster box and anointed his feet. 
with that perfume. Now, when the Pharisee saw this, immediately he thought to himself. And he made a judgment call. And what was his call concerning Jesus after he saw what this lady, obviously a sinner, probably a prostitute, did to Jesus? He said to himself, he said, Surely this man is not a prophet. This guy cannot be from God because he's allowing this sinful woman to touch him, to kiss his feet even. Well, as we go on in the passage, look what, look what verse 39 also shares. The woman that touches him, she is a sinner. So there was definitely a separation on the part of this Pharisee and probably most Pharisees with people who were obviously known sinners. Now let me ask you a question. How can we separate ourselves from sinners and reach the lost? Is that possible? What do you think? Is it possible to separate yourself from sinners and reach them for Christ? If you think that's possible, just shake your head yes and no. Or no. Yes. I don't get any shakes on that one. How about no? It's not possible. God wants us to be separate from sin, not from sinners. We're to love the lost. Well, this man in his religious tradition had crossed over the line and knew not grace. Well, in verse 40 it says, Jesus answering said unto him. Now, I love this. Jesus answering. He didn't say anything, did he? Have you noticed this? He didn't say anything. He was talking or thinking to himself. But Jesus answered him. And said, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. Go ahead, Lord. Whatever you want to say. So Jesus tells a little story. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So we have a guy who has loaned some money to two different individuals. One, he loaned 500 pence. Now, the pence here is a day's wage. What would be necessary to support a family? So we have 500 days wages here to the one debtor and the other 50 days wages. So what we're talking about here is roughly two years labor to the one and a couple months labor to the other. So it's a significant amount of money to the one and, a, you know, a couple months of labor. That's a pretty good amount of money, too, to the other. And they both were debtors. They both owed. And they both 
could not pay. So what did the creditor, what did the the owner of the debt do? He frankly, or he openly, forgave them both. He wrote, paid on the note. If you've ever had a note and you ever, you know, got that stamp, paid in full, well, that's a nice feeling. You know what happened when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and we accepted Him as our Savior? We all had a debt. It was tremendous. It was huge. And He marked it, paid in full. We we no longer owe. Well, as Jesus told this story to Simon, He asked him a question. Now, which of the two, Simon, you think will love Him more? And what was Simon's answer? Simon answered in verse 43. I suppose... Now, he's not too uh, definite in his answer here. He says, I suppose... He to whom he forgave most. And Jesus answered him and said... You have rightly judged. Probably felt good about that, you know. Man, got that one right on the test. But that's kind of like the pause before the storm. Because now there's coming the application. And here is in verse 44, it says, Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon. So here's Jesus kind of laying on, on, probably on his left arm, And he turns to the woman who is behind him and probably by this time kneeling at his feet, still weeping. And he looks at the woman and he talks to Simon. Interesting. What does he say? He said, do you see this woman? I entered into your house and you gave us to me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Another detail that probably the ladies are glad we don't still do. You know, kissing feet. Verse 46, my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Underline that last phrase. Thy faith hath saved thee. You see, it wasn't her crying, her washing of Jesus' feet. It wasn't the anointing, probably her life, savings as a result of a sinful life she probably poured that all out on jesus feet that night and she entered into a new relationship 
A relationship of regeneration and a relationship that would require a new profession, a new job. So it was a step of faith on both parts. Simon did not recognize his need. He didn't recognize that he was the debtor who owed 50 days work. The woman was obviously referred to as the greater debt. She had a larger load of sin. But how many sins does it take to send a person to eternal hell? Just one. The debt is very similar. It's unpayable by human hands. But here, this sinful woman accepted the payment and came and poured out a repentant heart before the only one who could rescue her from sin. Simon invited the right guy to supper, but he failed to understand his need to come and to eat freely, to drink freely from the fountain of life, which is Jesus Christ. Well, it's a fantastic demonstration of God's grace. Who least deserved forgiveness? You would think it would be her, but it's all of us. None of us deserve God's forgiveness. None of us deserve eternity in heaven. But all of us need God's forgiveness. When do you come to Christ? When you recognize that you have a debt for your sin And that there is no way that you can pay that debt. We are so thankful. We spent five years, over 50% of our time up in Pacochi, working on the training center, making contacts, sharing the gospel, and nobody apparently came to Christ. One girl seemed to make a decision, but then just did not show a desire to grow and study the Word. and, And now she's back and really is growing. But five years of sharing the gospel without any apparent response. And now in the last year and a half, around ten people have come to Christ. Elise had a little day of vacation Bible school with 85 kids in the public school gym. They let her use two of the classrooms at the public school during vacation. And she had around eight kids make profession of faith in Christ at that VBS. So the opportunities are great. But people have to recognize that their debt is not negotiable by human effort. And we work with the people who believe that if they're good enough, they'll make it. And we know that nobody can be that good. Only Jesus was good enough to save us. And He has completed the work. Looking at Simon's response here, I just... I can't help but but think when Jesus told him, Simon, you didn't give me a kiss. You didn't greet me in the proper manner. You didn't anoint my head with oil. 
You didn't show the basic kindness of washing my feet. But this woman has done all those things and more. Why? And this is how I want want us to apply this tonight. You see, Simon was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee. He was, a, he was one of the group of the elite among Israel. But his religion did not motivate him to love Jesus out of a pure heart, fervently. But this sinful woman who recognized the Messiah and put her faith in Him, then turned around and poured out a heart of devotion, love, and adoration to the Savior. God wants us to worship Him, to adore Him, to love Him with pure hearts, fervently, just like this woman did. And my challenge to all of us tonight is that that would be the type of attitude we would have to serve the Savior. Out of a pure heart. Why? Because He purified us. Out of love that's motivated because we were first loved by Him. And we've been challenged tonight. We see that the fields are white unto harvest. You know, I'm praying that God's going to raise up Brazilians to evangelize the Muslim people. And we're going to be able to see some of those trained. You know, they have some tremendous advantages. You know, um, they have, they have, you know, they, they produce terrible television programs in Brazil. But I'll bet that that same guy will not blame them for that, as he would Americans. And they're very friendly people. And they're not known like the ugly Americans that a lot of the world think we are. But God is raising up people. And you're having a part in that. And God still wants to call out people here from the United States to serve Him around the world. We're so excited. Becca's going to be spending some time with us and seeing what the ministry's like there in Brazil. And we hope that more of you young people will open your hearts to serve the Lord fervently, however He wants to use you. And He will do great things. Now, if we had a little more time, we'd share some of the impossibilities that God has accomplished. Some of the things that, you know... We have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we don't ask in the right manner. We ask for ourselves. How many times have we spent hours on our knees asking for God to do great things in His work around the world? Let's ask God because He is in the miracle business. Still does it. Still accomplishes the impossible. When I see a person come to Christ... Uh, we've, been, we've been doing a Bible study in Fort Olays every Tuesday night for the last two and a half years. It's a small group. It's kind of a family group. And they invite mostly just family. And uh, we've been sharing the gospel for some time. Uh, a young dentist came to know Christ about six months ago. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. You know, here after about two years, we have one person who's come to Christ through that Bible study. Well, just before we left... There's another gal. She's a she is a graduate in um, in uh, they call it food engineering in Brazil. I guess it'd be like uh, nutrition here. And uh, she's been coming to the Bible study pretty faithfully. Every once in a while, she misses because she has to do a class or something. But um, I asked her just before coming back to the states, Salawan, if you die tonight, do you know you're going to go to heaven? And she says, I do now. 
So that's the second person that came to know the Lord through that little Bible study. And so we're excited. Well, the Lord is reaching people, and you're having a part in that. And when we get to heaven and see all the surprises that God has in store, it's really going to be neat because there's going to be a lot of them, and you're going to be able to meet them, and they're going to be able to share with you, and we'll be able to rejoice around the throne. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your love. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the answer, that he has come into our hearts through faith and saved us from condemnation. We pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't have absolute assurance that they're on their way to heaven, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would touch that heart and that they might recognize their need for salvation and come by faith alone in Jesus Christ to know you as Savior. If you're here tonight and you don't know him, would you just raise your hand right where you are? We'd love to talk with you. Or you can come right down front here. Pastor and I are waiting right here. We'd love to share the gospel with you. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, just come right down front. The Word of God is rich and the gospel is free. Won't you accept Him tonight as your Savior? While we wait, if you know Him as your Savior, but you've been hanging on to a portion of your life, you haven't been willing to kneel down, and to humble yourself and wash the feet of Jesus with your tears. And you've been holding out of some area of your life because it's yours. Would you just surrender your heart and life and everything you have to Jesus tonight? He loved you enough to save you. Now love Him enough to allow Him to be Lord of your life. If that's your desire tonight, would you come right down front here as well so we can pray with you? We can encourage you in what God's Word says. He is Lord. One day every knee will bow to Him. Let's bow our knees to Him before that day arrives. Past St. Lawrence.